Hey, everybody. Phil here with Sandeep. Yes. Yes. And uh, both of us are out of town this week. So uh, we're doing. A little I'm skiing. And, and I'm on the beach. Yeah. So, yeah. You're, which is yet another white, another way I've outwhited you. Yes. Well, which typically you do uh, here on the show and in real life as well. So you're going to get a B-side episode this week. Uh, this is your appearance, right? On, yes. It's on the podcast Neurotica mm-hmm. with Justin Silver and Tracy Carnazzo. Great oh, both former guests of the show. Yeah. We yeah. talked about anxiety, psychiatry, mm-hmm. narcissism, good stuff. Oh, okay. So the, you used your doctorate for something finally. Yeah, finally. <laughs> All right, so enjoy this special B-side presentation of the Neurotica podcast. Search for good sex, inner peace, and the perfect hand sanitizer. And now your hosts, the highly neurotic, very erotic, Justin Silver and Tracy Carnazzo. First of all, thank you all so much for listening to the podcast. Please follow our social media at NeuroticaPod. You can follow myself at I am Justin Silver and Tracy's at Trixie Truzzini. If you have any comments and questions, we'd love to hear from you. Also, please go on iTunes. Give us a very nice five-star rating and review. We would greatly appreciate that. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Neurotica. This is your host, Justin Silver, sitting across from my beautiful, talented, lovely... Thin... Thin, in incredible shape. skin in shape. Thank you so Looking much. Looking fantastic for Mexico, Good hair. right around the corner. Co-host Tracy Carnazzo. Do you uh. love the intro I give you? I loved it. That I was, was pretty good. That was I, pretty accurate today. It was accurate. Well, we also learned that you look like Ganesh naked. I do. Um, I look like... We were just talking um, with uh, our amazing guest today, and that's Dr. Sandeep Sen. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Uh, we're going to be... Doctor and comedian. And comedian. Which is, which is awesome. I'm a, I'm a Doctor threat. comedian. Doctor comedian Sandeep Sen. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. I, think every, I think everyone's life prepares them for comedy. Yeah. Um... Because it's it's all coming from stuff that we all experience, and then the comic mind takes it into into comedy. It either inspires comedy or suicide. Yeah, so you have go, to. I you mean, go you, one way or the other. You must struggle every single day, uh, not incorporating things that you see into your into your comedy. No, it's very easy for me to miss comedic things. Really, uh, which, is the, which is the problem with writing comedy. I'm like, oh, I could, I, I should be able to make all this funny, and then I can't. We have to explain how you just like why, why Tracy is the Ganesha before. Right. <laughs> so I guy. don't know if anyone's ever seen uh, this guy. Well, you have to explain. Then Sandeep is Indian, first of all. Right. Yeah. So we, we, were, we were talking were tra- about my fondness of the Indian religion. Right. And how I have Ganeshas all over the house. Yeah. Who's the who's an elephant head god? An elephant head god. Right. I that, when you said when you guys were talking about Ganesh, I thought you were talking about uh, Ganache. Which is a, <laughs> which is a really good. Um, it's like a chocolate yeah, kind chocolate. of fudge that you use to frost cakes, and I didn't realize you were talking about this elephant naked uh, god yeah. that looks just like me naked. Personally, I do <laughs> prefer ganache to Ganesh. Yeah. Uh, are no. you a self-hating? Are you? A, well, you're a, you're an atheist. Yeah, but, I, but I you're, just don't you grew really up like Hindu. Religion. Um, and and I, I in, in it, it might not be all the religion, but I was forced to go on Sundays to like Hindu study school. Oh yeah. Um, oh, you guys have like that fake church stuff too. It, it was. It was like. It was like. <laughs> Shut your fucking to, mouth. My Tracy. parents wanted me to learn about the religion. Right. Uh, but it was on football Sunday, and I was. I grew up when there was no DVR or like. Did you grow up here? I grew up in Chicago. 
Okay, so you were big into football. How old were you when you were doing this? I was like between five and ten. And, and you so were still, you were like, as a young kid, you're so into football that you're like, fuck Hinduism. The Bears were incredible. And so, and if you didn't, if you missed football, there was no recording. There was no like so ESPN. You're a we didn't have ESPN. There was ESPN, but we didn't have it because we're cheap and my parents would never buy cable. I, you're I a barrius. You're not even a, a, an atheist. You're a barrius. He's a barrier. Yeah. I have such positive racism toward Indian people. Because first of all, like whenever I look at like an Indian person like smoking a cigarette or something like that, I'm like, you know, I don't feel like you people should be doing that. Like for somehow I feel like they're holier. It's very nice that you smarter. said you people. That's what my point. It's yeah. like a positive racism. But also <laughs> I will only go to like an Indian or Asian doctor now. Agreed. Because yeah. I feel like the Jews just got comfortable and lazy here. Agreed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I, I, they I never would have pulled off that fucking Ponzi schemey shit like when they first came over. You know what I'm saying? Listen, I'll take a Jewish doctor, but when I see that there's an Indian name, especially on a surgeon, I'm like, okay, we're good. Like we're good. Sandeep? If yeah. I saw it, like, he could put his fingers in my butt right now and he's not even a, a medical right. doctor. He's a... A, um, a psychiatrist. Right. Uh, that would yeah. be weird. Well, that's going to be my payment for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, that's I was. my payment for I this podcast. I was going to a psychiatrist uh, last year, and she was a Russian woman. And, you know, I don't want to say anything bad about Russian people, but I didn't trust her. Cheap whores? She was like so Russian. I could see her be. I could see Russian. Uh, Russian just being like, "Get over it." Yes, it's that's exactly how she was. Why you, and, you have, know, why, why you have problem with your weight? Why you have okay, problem with boyfriend? Okay, do you know boyfriend? what she told me? <laughs> what? I said, listen, I'm really afraid of flying. And she goes, why? I said, because I'm really afraid of vomit, and I'm afraid that someone's going to throw up on the plane. And she goes, maybe they don't. Maybe they don't. And then she gave you drugs? And then she was like, she would stare at me for 20-minute intervals. She asked if I was abused, and then she would just stare at me, and I'm like, oh, God. Did your uncle I, touch your vagina may, before was, you were <laughs> 40 years old? After 40 years old, did this payment for him bringing toilet paper to hell? Oh, my God. Was she hot? Russian no, women are fucking hot. she was a very old... They're either hot or fucking no, she was gross, and Dave, she, Dave, she was she made me so uncomfortable. Of oh, David Tell's got that joke I love. He goes, "Russian women are hot until you're forty. Then the boils and moles fairy shows yes. up." <laughs> That's exactly what I was dealing with. I mean, the unprofessionalism. It was like, you know, hey, can I make an appointment? She's like, "You come now," and I'm like, "No, I'm at work right now. You come." At ten o'clock at night. Come now. Come to side of house. Don't ring the first doorbell. Come to the garage. Basically, my that was what was going on. So she. My husband uh, is, is my husband is outside of the Escalade. He has person coming for driving job in forty minutes. Come now. Okay. How about her husband was there one day for our session. He was outside FaceTiming with someone in an iPad. Oh, at least he wasn't in the room. Like, there, don't mind him. I wouldn't even care. He at that won't point. say. I, <laughs> he could stay. Let me get into this weekend. Uh, Trey, I gotta tell you, I so I realized. Yes. Um, I can't do mushrooms at my age. Right, because you're not 16. At 16, 17, 18, even like a few years back, I really feel like they opened me up. You know, hallucinogenics were great like that. Right. But I went to a a Perfect Circle concert, mm -hmm. and I took mushrooms. And well, I was like, oh. you're also you're not 16, so I don't know what you're doing. But go ahead. A per I went to a Perfect Circle concert. Yeah, I mean that was which great. I thought mushrooms would enhance the experience because it's kind of psychedelic and trippy. And all it did was it took away from it because I got so fucking in my head. Right. Like I just started self analyzing while everything was going on that I would have been happier if I didn't do it. So mm -hmm. more to my point on how we brought this up in the past, sobriety is just the way to go for me, man. Yeah, I think. Sobri so. Sobriety is the way that I am just the happiest. Sobriety and good sleep. 
Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I, sleep with eight pillows in the bed. When I sleep well and I'm sober, my life is just, you know what it is? I'm so up and down and extreme just in terms of what we do as comedians. Sure. Your sleep schedule is fucked up from that because, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like you're in bed back in the house at eight o'clock at night. Sure. Sometimes it's well after midnight. So there's just so much high, low and extreme stuff going on. Plus, when you're out performing, your adrenaline is through the roof and then it crashes. That uh, my adrenaline's always uh, very low. <laughs> no, I know that. No we'll- audience reaction really keeps it nice <laughs> and low. <laughs> but I feel like so I feel like, you know what, the more the more I stay in like the straight and narrow with those kind of things. Don't add more, more complications. I don't to your need life. more complications. You don't. But can I let me tell you? Can I tell you what I appreciated about this concert is uh, Maynard James Keenan. I don't know if you know who that is, Sandy. I don't. He is the lead singer of the band Tool and also of a Perfect Circle and a Pussifer. Very cool guy. I got to meet him personally, and like my favorite musician. You should really pick a band. What is why he's he's very prolific, buddy. Yeah, he's very prolific. He's that guy. He's that guy. He's like three bands, and they're all he's like Mondays. They're all doing well. Yeah, okay. They're all doing fantastic. Mm -hmm. So, but he's uh, when you go into the arena, and they sold out a big arena, um, all across the all across the the top. no, the boards. What do you call every the vision? What do you call the the vision boards? Was he have vi- Pinterest? Not the vision boards, Tracy. He made a vision board. No, He's got all over finger. the when you're at a the, the bleachers, the, the, the big, stands. No, the fucking big giant screens. The screens. Okay, that's fine. all they're called. Fine. The, the megatrons. The megatrons. There you go. It's uh, absolutely no cell phones whatsoever. If you're seen with your cell phones out, you will be removed, ejected from the concert. Ejected. Which, Ejected. Jesus Christ! Which that's I so thought violent. James Maynard Keynes make that rule. I or? mean, he. They don't. I think there's twofold. They don't want number one people recording the the, the show and then putting it on YouTube and spoiling the surprise for everybody else. What's the surprise? They're gonna do their songs from their album. Exactly. Surprise. But secondarily, but secondarily, his whole point is he's like, listen, while you're here, put your shit away yeah, for fifteen. Be minutes. here. Put your shit away for two hours. I couldn't be more into it, and I got to tell you, here's what I'm saying. This is my point. I have when my phone is off or in my pocket, mm-hmm. and I and I'm not allowed to look at it. I feel that there's like this sense of like relief. I'm like, oh right, for the next two hours I'm in here, I'm not checking this thing, which I love. I I'm way into the whole you know being present in the thing. But I was reading something about how, and we were talking about this when when I was on the phone with you, just getting to know you a little bit before we do the show. Last they had night. a they had a little bit of a date. They had a little phone date. We talked for a few minutes. It was cute. We was talked. Cute. I wanted to talk to him. But I was reading how uh, in Psychology Today it was saying that this is the most narcissistic generation ever, and that Instagram of all apps kind of leads the charge with that. Yeah. And uh. How mostly social media, to a large degree, contributes to a lot of depression in people because yeah. of how much you compare yourself to everybody else. Low self-esteem. Low self-esteem because you compare yourself to right. uh, deform uh, body image issues. Like when I, I'm going to Mexico on Saturday, right? Yes. So when you guys see, I mean, not you too, but like your the listeners, like the women listeners, right? Uh, when they see like what great shape I'm in, right? Like, they're going to feel bad about themselves. Right. They're going to get an eating disorder right. as a result. They're going to be like, oh, my God, did she do a three-day juice cleanse and eat, like, shit every other day? And they're going to feel a strange pull to convert to Hinduism. Yeah. They're right. going to be like, why does she look like an elephant? But you understand, you know my point with that? Yeah. Because no one posts, like, no one posts selfies of, like, you it's know. It's the highlight no, reel. Right. No one's posting a selfie at the gynecologist's office, like, hashtag tested positive. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you right, compare yourself to, you compare yourself, your insides to everybody's outsides, and it's, right. it's every, you're seeing it through a filter. You know what right. I point? 
you're looking at the ex- it, it's you're looking at everyone living an amazing life at the exact moment when you're doing nothing because you're on social media. Exactly. It's like your lowest mm-hmm. most re- most losery time. Right. And looking at everyone else's amazing Right, time. because if I'm sitting there just on social media, I'm flipping through cuz I'm like, all right, nothing, you know, I'm not getting a blowjob right now. Yeah. So <laughs> that's when I'm on it. Right. Yeah, no one's doing. No one's on Twitter when they're when they're skydiving. You know, no one's like tweeting. I might be. No, it's a good point. I would be. They. uh, Um, I was thinking back to like when I was a kid. It's like everything now seems like it's one standard deviation away from the actual experience you're having. Like you know, if you see if you see people at the beach, it's like they're at the beach. They take a selfie of themselves and they're immediately checking where they posted that selfie to see how many likes there are. Like I remember. Like when we, if you were at the beach and you took a picture of yourself, if someone took a picture, you all got together, you put your arms around each other, you took a picture, and then you just, you would not see that picture for like three weeks later until someone got it developed, and then like you'd see it once in yeah. that person's house, and that would be the probably the only and last time you ever saw it. This is really annoying to me. Is what I can't talk to people when I'm talking to someone at at a party or something, and then we have to stop the conversation that we're having, the connection that we're establishing. To take a picture, and then we have to look at the picture. I'm like, I, and then I have to comment on how good we. I'm like, yeah, I was in the live show. I right, was, I, I was there. I was, I was, I was there. It happened 30 seconds ago, and we were actually having a conversation. And now we have to look at the picture of ourselves that that we're already in now. I'm trying I don't to understand find why people do this. It, it it annoys me to no end. I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with what you're saying. I think it's perfectly fine. You're Look not a selfie a, person. I like Stop a good it. Selfie. I know, but you're not the type of you're not an excessive selfie. I'm not an excessive selfie. Cindy, are you are you single right now? Yeah. Would you date a woman who if you looked on their Instagram there was like every other picture was selfies or posing or really body heavy shots. Would here's that how, would that turn you off? Here's how anti social media I am is I, I don't look I don't have Instagram. That's I don't want to look oh, yeah. at anyone's pictures. I don't give a shit what you what what the beach on Cancun looked like for you. Uh, that's a direct dig at me. Right. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm not there. I will I, be I texting you photos. Like. <laughs> and I don't want to look at other people on a beach. I don't get, I don't understand why we're doing this. I, I don't am, understand. I, I don't want to tell people what I'm doing at any time. It's not that interesting. And it, it is, I don't, I don't need, you don't need to know what I'm doing, what I'm up to. Are you trying I to tell that. us that you're mentally healthy? I, I don't, I don't, I, I'm 41. So I, I right. came, I'm about, I'm about five years too late. I'm about right. five years past like when it that's just how you communicate with the world. I gotta tell you, I don't think that there's an age limit on this anymore. I think oh, that yeah. the culture has just taken over. And I understand that younger people are definitely worse with it because even people I'm thirty three and people that are younger than me, you know, uh twenty three, they're I mean, they're way worse. I don't even know how to use Snapchat. So I think that it does definitely filter, but I mean, I know people, you know, in their forties that are very, very bad at this. Batter it or active in it? Very, very active. Very, but active to because I think. Listen, I think there's a healthy aspect of social media because listen, listen, you're a comedian, right? Right, and a doctor. Okay, so for comedy, I use social media for the most part to network, communicate, to just show, to just to promote the things that I'm doing comedically, right? This podcast, the shows that I have. Or the stuff that I'm doing with dogs. And if I do something funny or I do something that's personal, it's usually just like a little behind the scenes thing to be like. Right. It's not like you're not posting like, oh, worst day ever. So mad at my brother. Right. Or like check out the abs and like look at at where I was after three weeks ago on this diet. Like unless I was a personal trainer. See, I would love to have something to show. What do you mean? 
Like if I was like, hey, guys, I lost 11 pounds on Weight Watchers. Look at the before and after. They'd be like, oh, you changed your leggings. (laughs) (laughs) Great, great, uh, great comparison. You look the same. Your self-deprecation is my favorite thing. <laughs> Thanks. It's my favorite thing. Tracy's taking a little break from comedy. I am. To focus on that. And one of the things we were talking about, about her set, by the way, which I love, but what I love is she's so much funnier, like in just person and when she's, when she's talking about her own real shit to sort of bridge the gap between making her stand-up sound more like the way she really sounds when she's being funny. So I love that you're taking this little break, by the Thank way. You, you so make much. me laugh more than anybody. Oh I love God. you. I Justin, love you. I love you. This is a very supportive Oh, podcast. my God. This is like... My heart is full. But what I was saying was, I think there's a health. I think that listen, there's a, there's there's healthy aspects to social media. Like I've connected with people from the past that I haven't seen in a long time yeah, through Facebook. I think that's obviously, that's great. Like you fucked your ex girlfriends. No, I don't fuck oh. my ex girlfriends. No, I see people that like I went to high school with. They have babies now. That's a cool way to check in when someone's not doing well and they need support. People rally around them. There's uh, I've promoted my funny for Fido on it, and there's mm-hmm. charitable stuff you can do on it. There's also I've learned so much about. Um, I've learned so much about like the vegan movement that I'm into from social media because of things I follow. So there's, I think the important thing is you have to, you have to be aware of the negative aspects of it and what it can do to you psychologically, I think. And and that has to be, and you have to, you have to create boundaries for yourself. Right. I, I, I feel, I think those are all great uses for social media. It, to me, it feels like it's 90% useless. I agree. No, I agree with you. So anyway, here's what I wanted to, so we were talking a little bit, and I was like, I know I'm narcissistic, right? And I know this is like the most narcissistic generation ever, which I, I, I think we have to all agree with that, correct? Well, it depends on what you mean by narcissistic. Like when people say narcissistic, I immediately go to narcissistic personality. Personality sort of. disorder. Well, this is what I wanted to ask. No, I think that just the general state of like, hey, everything is so me focused. Like I, I can't remember a time in history where... How many people are showing off their bodies in a, some sort of public forum, like the way they have the ability to do now? So there's right. there's an element of like, ugh, there's, there's an element of something grotesque about that because of how uh, how popular that that behavior is. So I think that's what they mean by this being the most narcissistic right. generation ever. So I know that I'm a narcissist as a comedian, but my therapist. See again, I I can't. I, I you're just using it in a different way than. This is getting confounded and it's well, this, confusing. Yeah, this is what I, I would to not ask. call is, you confused. Narc- I don't want you to say you're a narcissist because that means that you, you have, have narcissistic, narcissistic personality, personality disorder. So yeah, this is what my th- I was asking my therapist about that. I go, am I narcissistic? And he goes, no, a narcissist is somebody who thinks they're the greatest thing in the world. Right, and, and that I, they're special, and that other people have to, you know, if they don't get the best from other people, and they, you know that they're better than other people, and I feel like this generation of like we talk a lot about social media, but I do feel like. Um, with the so-called millennials, they're they're they preach a lot of empathy and a lot of like not bullying and a lot of sure. I think that's that's way more than uh, stress than in my generation, and that kind of goes against what we think of as narcissistic personality disorder. So when people so if people so when people have this sort of self this self concerned outlook mm-hmm. that is definitely uh, kindled by social media that's not that's not really narcissism or it's just like there, there's a there's there's different degrees of it i'm, I'm just i find i'm so curious about this um i think if we're gonna talk about i think that's histrionic mm-hmm. when you have to always display yourself and um and be the center of attention right in psychiatry there's histrionic personality disorder which is 
close to narcissistic personality disorder, but they're different. Right. Um, but they're all like, there's a cluster B traits. This is borderline histrionic narcissistic. Right. Uh, so that's kind of what you mean. I think where you, you uh, when you say narcissistic, I understand what you're saying. And I think everyone, there is a collective like understanding of that's what he means. But, um, but again, see, as a psychiatrist, then I always, I'm like, oh, make sure you're not telling people that or there's going to be confusion. That's good, man. Cause I hate, I, that's great. I, that, I, I, let me tell you something. I took the, narcissistic personality disorder test yeah and i noticed this when i took the test and i told you this tracy yeah. the questions were so fucking extreme from from left to right that i was like wait a second i don't identify with either one of these answers because one of the answers was it's like i absolutely feel this way or i don't feel this way at all and to me i was like well my answer is sort of a combination of both and mostly in the middle like i'll give you an example mm. can i give you an example yeah tracy? please all right you answer these questions right? okay it goes okay I have a natural talent for influencing people, or I'm not good at influencing people at all. Oh, I think I am. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I would do almost anything on a dare, or I tend to be a fairly cautious person. I think I'm very, fairly cautious. Okay. I can usually talk my way out of anything. I try to accept the consequences of my behavior. Uh, I would say right down the middle on that one. Right down the middle. Yeah. Okay. I like to have authority over people. I don't mind following others. Yeah, I both, both. Right. Sometimes I'm super controlling. I think that our relationship, uh, you and I, Justin, is really uh, refreshing for me because I'm such a control freak and you're such a control freak that I love letting you take the control. And I think that I'm more passive with you, uh, but it makes me feel more comfortable. It actually calms so me it's down. A pl- right, it's a place where you get to take the back seat. Yeah. See, I feel the same. Like, I took this test, right? And because I've always been, people have always said, oh, you're such a narcissist, you're such a narcissist, which, and I was like, well, because you're so handsome, that's the thing. I appreciate that, but, like, I I care about other people, I care about animals, I, you know, I I don't, I, like, some of the questions questions were, like, I need to be the center of attention, or I never want to, or I never want to stand out in the crowd. I'm like, well, when I'm performing, I like to be the center, and then when I'm off stage, I like to sort of lay back in the cuddle. I found, like, my answers were definitely more in the middle. And so it ma- I felt comforted because I was like, oh, wait a second. What people term narcissist is not really – they're using that in an extreme way. Yeah, I mean when you read the criteria for like personality disorders, you're going to see yourself in every one of them. Like you'll be like, oh, I do that. Oh, I do that. And then people come to me often and be like, Am I, I'm worried that I'm this. But it's not there's, – there's parts of that to, to all of us. The whole thing is that when it's a disorder, it, it causes you a lot of dysfunction and it um, – and it affects your ability to interact with people and to live your life. To function in life. Yeah. Is Donald Trump a narcissistic personality disorder? You know, <clears throat> here's the problem with... I, I. He seems to be from what he says in public, but the thing with is politicians is they're... You can't always... You, you can never rule out the fact that they're always putting on a show, too. They're on. Um, like, comedians aren't who they are on stage. Right. Um, and I don't, I don't think Donald Trump probably is, I, I don't know what he's like off stage. That, so that's can only be answered by if Donald Trump was in a therapist's office and willing to be honest about himself. Right. You know, but I have a feeling like when politicians exude confidence, they might not be confident. They're like, uh, every war that's ever fought, they're, uh, they, you have, they have to be like, no, we're, we're winning, we're, we're doing well. You, you just cannot they're showmen. say, they're showmen. I don't think we're doing well. You just cannot, you cannot tell the truth. So like, there's always a, element of showmanship so i don't that's i would like to say as much as i'd like to say he's a total narcissist from what i see and i think he probably is but you really can't say that until like you because we don't know donald trump the man 
really you got you got to be careful to self to not to self diagnose. You know what I'm saying, Trace? I any, do it all the time. I know, but anytime any that's what I'm saying. Like anytime I've read any psychology book, I'm like, all right, I can identify right with ninety percent of what they're talking about, but it's just not extreme enough where right, I have like, this disorder. I've wondered if I'm a sociopath, if I have borderline personality disorder. Um, I've been diagnosed with anxiety disorder, uh, OCD. OCD you have. <laughs> OCD I definitely OCD have. OCD we both have. Yeah, that's undeniable. Uh, I've always felt like, uh, and I've known you for a little bit, that you every personality disorder that you have a combination and a really heightened. So you have like sociopath, borderline, <laughs> narcissist. Sociopathic <laughs> tendencies? No, I, no, forget tendencies. Just the whole nine yards. <laughs> Great. You have all of it. What would um, you put me really on? You're really the standard for what we psychiatrists like to judge other people. <laughs> How much wow. like Tracy are you? <laughs> and that's you. Okay, if you're if you're 70% of her, that's definitely narcissism. Like what, that's the test. What would you pres- knowing what you know about me? Oh, yeah. great! This is a great. question. What would you prescribe me? What would you diagnose me <laughs> with? I just I would go I would just go over the uh, all the drugs ever invented by man and just and just load me it. up with yeah, them. Just all of it. I. Uh, I don't take anything. I was taking Prozac for a little while for my OCD, and it actually collapsed my vocal cord. Oh, no. Yeah. I so didn't even know that was a side effect of No one knows that. Yeah, the but that's why Tracy's the standard. Like, that's you right. got to experiment. <laughs> Sandeep, right. you have to experiment. I don't know if you read her, about me. <laughs> give her a lot of drugs, see what happens, right. yeah. and then you'll write the journal on that drug afterwards. I don't know if you've read about me that's uh, why you're in the medical journals, but yeah, I wanted to introduce you to uh, all of the side effects of drugs that you don't know about that I get. Uh, I'm very sensitive. I'm just really sensitive, and I'm scared, and I'm scared to fly next week, and I'm having like all of these crazy things, and I just, so you already have the fear of vomit, right? It's from, that's the only fear that I have, really. And now, but like then, it's you always worry about how vomit is going to impact everything that you. Everything. Doing. Like if I'm flying, well, what if there's vomit on the exactly? Plane? I don't and care if, if the plane crashes. Stage, what if someone vomits on the stage? I love Thank that you. you're half yeah. making fun of her while you're. But while he's, you're, yeah, but he while, knows while you're diagnosing. But it her. is. It's, it's exactly what it is. It's the other. I, the, the my primary fear is vomit, uh-huh. and secondary fears are things that could contain vomit. Yes. You know, so I'm afraid of bars. Are you afraid of making out with anyone because they probably vomited at some point? No, but I'm afraid of making out with someone if they have a child because I need to know if the child has a stomach virus. <laughs> That's great. That's, That's a great. common thing with that. Trace, we're going to do exposure <laughs> therapy with you. We're gonna, I, he's going to take me on the subway. Did I ever tell you? I was telling um, Justin, I think I was telling you, this is why I got into comedy, is that I had a fear of public speaking. Oh, no, I didn't no, tell you No, you didn't tell me. Go ahead. Oh, my God. Tell us all about that. That's really interesting. So I had a fear of public speaking, so I decided to take a, st- a comedy class. I was going to just take a public speaking class, but then I thought, I'm going to hear a bunch this of is a- This is after you were a doctor? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and so, uh, I, because I know as a psychiatrist, when you have a phobia of something, you have to expose yourself to it. Right. Until you're just not... Until it doesn't give you the same effect anymore. This sure. is exactly wow. like the, that's it's the exposure thing. So yeah. I did that with stand-up comedy. I thought I'd just take a class, and then I just I, you know it was thrilling when I did my class show, and so then where did you take the class? Place. It was Caroline's. Oh, cool. All right, he's funny. Yeah, he's very funny. It's funny. And do you still have any kind of fear of public speaking? I I still think I'm less comfortable on stage than other people, but it's not it's nothing like the phobia was. Like it took me two years. I remember it took me about two years of open mics before I could, if I'm having a good set, just really enjoy it. Right. Up until then, when I was having a good set, I would I would I would mask that I'm enjoying it, but really internally, I was just still very nervous. Nervous. But I think part of also part of being on stage is there's a vulnerability in what we're yeah, doing. Yeah, you have to let go. If you're totally comfortable then you're not really doing it right. 
Like there's a there's a difference between the fear of speaking and also saying like, hey, I'm standing in front of these people that I don't know and I'm exposing this part of myself and I'm talking about deep things that have to do with my personality and I'm uh, I'm being vulnerable with you people. So there's always an element of discomfort to it. So like like every time I get on stage, it takes me a few minutes to you know, I'm feeling them out the same way they're feel- feeling me out. So I feel like that yeah. discomfort is also the thing that makes you vulnerable it's and a makes human you connection. human. That's yeah. true. So I, I always, I don't know how, when, I don't know how my, how much my discomfort is normal versus like, well, or comics don't have it. What I do feel like is a weakness is like when I'm doing well, like it, I'm having the time of my life, obviously. Mm-hmm. But when I'm like not doing so well or bombing, I'm, I'm not, I'm feeling nervous. And I know that this has to be normal, but. Of course. But who, I think the best comics. Great? But don't you, have you noticed like the best comics, they, they enjoy bombing and they, they're, they're able, you can tell that they're not like flustered and they're just. I think no, 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 no. You're, I think it's wrong. They can go down. Here's what they can do. The best comics can go down gracefully. Yes. They can glide down as opposed to just unraveling. And that's what you're right. noticing. Like, and I, and I remember. Uh, yes, when the I, grace. You see the grace. Right. Like, I don't think they're they like, feel all the right. Grace. They don't, they're, they're like, all right, this one's not going so well for me, but that's not such a big deal. Right. That's how I feel when I'm like, right. all right. This, Understood. Right. I'm not doing well. With, this is not such a big deal. It also comes with experience because I think that, you know, it's a, how long have you been doing comedy? Seven years. Right. So I'm about the same as you. And I think that, um, you know, even this year, I think that I perform differently than I have in other years because I'm a little bit more sure. comfortable. And I think that uh, there's different aspects of it, uh, you know. Doing this podcast, doing all podcasts, help you, you know, develop material and help you talk to people and help you think a little bit quicker. This podcast right. has made me so much more comfortable on stage because we're so exposing on yes. it that I've gotten over feeling like, uh, ooh, maybe that's going to weird Maybe I shouldn't tell out. them that. Like, I don't, I don't self-edit as much because we do this podcast. Does that yeah. make sense? And that, yeah. that's a part of feeling more comfortable on stage is not worrying about what you're exposing. And I think that some of my uh, nerves from that, like, you know, doing crowd work even, you're like, oh, okay, you don't want to go too far. And now I'm more comfortable. I'm more confident in my material. Can I can I say something to you, by yeah. the way? When you were talking about exposure therapy, we were both talking about it. Did I ever tell you about when I was seeing that uh, that therapist, the um the CBD, the CBT, cognitive mm-hmm. behavioral therapy yeah. therapist. I was seeing a CBT yeah. therapist to help me with OCD, and uh, because oh, of you o- also have OCD. I have OCD. Yeah. Okay. So to help me get over certain things that I was feeling, Dude, obsessive. you and Tracy, are you able to get anything done together when you're? When we you're actually doing have how neat the fucking podcast equipment <laughs> is. I mean, get stuff done together. Perfectly. But let me tell you, the, the, <laughs> two OCDs people in. the things that bother us are very different. Okay. Oh, so I think right. that we really yeah, complement. Well, yeah, there's, we there's a difference between there's a bit difference between obsessive compulsive personality disorder where someone right. just has obsessive thoughts and then someone who's got the OCD where it's like uh, they have to check the lock three times or run home to unplug the right. iron. Right. Were you saying you have OCD? I have OCD, but I have like just I have reoccurring obsessive thoughts. I don't have it so much where it's like um I feel like I have to drive around the same street three times or my mom's going to die. Like, I don't have that type okay. of... I have you don't a different have compulsions, type. meaning behaviors. I have compulsions where I have more like motor skill tics and noise, okay. I things like that, which definitely is very common when somebody is in a teenager and an adolescence and then it fades out more as you go as you become an adult. And then under times of stress, it'll pop itself back up. But very manageable for me right now. Like, very manageable. However, listen to this and tell me your thoughts on this. Yeah. Because of all the work I do with dogs, so much of what I do is psychology-based. 
I kind of have a I have an ability to sort of see the understand the way they think of things and the way they see things, and also I understand that dogs are sort of a lightning rod of their owner's dysfunction. So when I go in and I work with someone and their dog, I'm sort of just. Uh, when they're talking to me about what's what their dog's ailment is, I'm more paying attention to what the dog, how the dog is reacting to the way they're talking, and I'm trying to get a trying to get an overarching sense of just the dynamic that takes place there. So I have an understanding of exposure therapy, and I have an understanding of uh, cognitive behavioral therapy just from working with animals. So when I was working with this therapist, he was having me do these exposures, and I said to him, I said, you know. His point was like you have to just expose yourself. You have to flood yourself. You have to, which people don't know. You expose yourself to the point where it's like your senses are overloaded with this thing that you're afraid of, which would be for the equivalent of Tracy would be I dumping that. her in a pool of vomit right. or something yeah. like that, right? But I said to my therapist, I said, you know, from all the work I've done with animals, I noticed that if you if they are above a seven, like on one to ten, because that's how I that's how I've wrote it about it in my book. If they're over a seven, what ends up happening is they go from fight or flight to shutting down. And he was like, hmm, that's interesting. And I started noticing that when I started working with animals, I would bring them to the point where they were exposed, like on a one to 10 of exposure, to about a seven, then I would back off, then expose them to about a seven and back off, about a seven and back off. You work with animals with phobias? With fears. Okay. So like a lot of animals are fear have terrible fears of noises or trucks or they're afraid of being in the city. Or other dogs. Other dogs. So I wouldn't overexpose them because I noticed what would happen is they would go from being very reactive to just shutting down. So I said to my therapist, I was like, you know, I think I'm overexposing myself in these exposures. And he's a dude who's like really, uh, really advanced in his field. And I said, this is how I do it with animals. And And he took note of the way I explained it to him and he started, and we started doing my therapy based around the adjustments that I thought would work for me because of what I know from working with animals. And he started working with the rest of his clients that way and readjusted his pro whole, his whole protocol based on that. Wow. And I felt very like... You uh, were his behavioral therapist. I don't know, but I, I feel like I feel like the work that I was able to do with myself based on the stuff that I know from animals really... Um, it really just it, it lent itself to making some progress in that area, and right. he took note of that. So and what were you fearful of? What? What were you fearful of? Oh, we talk about all these things all the time. I just uh, I don't want to get too into it. Right okay. Now on this specific one, we'll go we'll go too far on this. Have one. you considered exposing yourself, Tracy, to vomit? Okay, so I did exposure therapy. Uh, to I vomit. Did, I did a program at okay. Queens College, uh, and I had one person work with me specifically and uh they would make me watch videos on youtube of people retching and vomiting and it got so bad where i wouldn't eat the days that i had to go um and i wound up not leaving my house for a very long time see they overexposed you on yeah. that you need it's a balance i think between being supportive to the person like holding their hand through it right yeah what my understanding is like you're supposed to kind of rate your anxiety level um and then you kind of keep until it like goes below a certain thing and if it's like if you're at a hundred the whole time then you have to like expose yourself less like right if the youtube videos was too much i guess you i mean i was having nightmares would be a less yeah well, i, I was having nightmares and flashbacks of the youtube videos even after i got home well, what would have been what less would be the le- yeah so we would have to pick like one rung less than i don't know maybe and i don't hearing, think maybe hearing like just the sounds of the vomiting um i don't know i don't even know i i think that it was just uh so overwhelming for me to do that and it was the winter when that happened uh i think i worked october 
uh, I think it was September to because um, it was one semester that I worked with this uh, guy and I didn't leave my house for I think it was seven weeks. Wow. Trace, I think for you and the yeah. whole and tell me if I'm wrong on this. I think for you, it's the fear of being in these public places where vomit may happen. So it's not it's, so it's much the fear of being even enclosed with someone that's going to vomit. I know that it's the fear of not being able to get away from it. However, but the point is this: yeah. vomit on it mm. happens so infrequently. And I know you think it happens a lot more frequently than it does. You can right. make this argument. That's not my point. Is that the point is it's more exposing yourself to these places where these fear, where these things are going to happen to you See, and I as opposed to just exposing yourself to the vomit. And I got to tell you, and I, I, I understand what you're saying there, but this is my problem with that. My problem with that is that um, you're saying like always go to a bar and then you'll get used to being in the bar and then you won't be so afraid, right? No. But when I when I expose myself to these things, I get more and more nervous because now I think that my chances are going higher. Right, but that's where I'm saying you need the support element. That's where the support element comes in. A good because sh- everything's a numbers game. Right, but a good therapist is going to provide you with the proper support while you're in that environment, opposed to just being like, just go. Right. Yeah. Well, the classic thing with with phobias is that you you are going to be your your um, anxiety is going to be ramped up. <clears throat> When you're exposed to the thing that gives you a phobia. Sure. Because that, it, it winds up being therapeutic because then when you leave, now your brain has like, oh, we ramped up the anxiety and then it solved the problem. Uh, and so the whole thing is like when you do expose yourself, you're supposed to like kind of keep yourself in that uncomfortable place until your anxiety level like goes down yeah. to a certain level, like like below a seven or something. Okay. Yeah. I What I'm doing right now, so I'm but, flying this Saturday. And I'm trying to literally just put it out of my mind. That you're going to be on a plane? Uh, that I'm going to be, that someone's going to throw up on the plane or I'm going to catch a germ on the plane. That's probably healthy. I'm literally just trying to put it out of my mind. Can you drink? No, I don't drink. I don't do drugs. Were you I, just going to prescribe her to drink? I <laughs> I think that would be the, if, cause, <laughs> see, drinking <clears throat> makes me nervous. She's not on planes all the time. So I don't think you can really like do therapy to help her be more comfortable on planes because the, the planes are so inaccessible. What if she becomes a flight attendant? Oh. Yeah, see, then that would be the oh. <laughs> But I think the, the main thing is you just need to get get through this. Yeah, yeah. that's that's exactly what this I'm going to try yeah. to do. So I'm going to bring, I have a prescription for Xanax and I'm going to oh, bring them go. on with me and I'm going to uh, sit down I'm going to take a Xanax and I'm going to read a book and I'm going to, uh, I've been telling myself every single night before I go to sleep, I've been uh, going through the situation in my head, the scenario, and I think it's pretty helpful. And I'm like, okay, so I'm sitting on the plane and someone next to me is throwing up and I am going to continue reading the book and nothing's going to happen to me because it's not a dangerous situation. It's a gross situation, but it's not dangerous. Oh, that's good. And it's going to end because I can't be on a plane forever. And the person can't be vomiting. It's going to end. There's only so much food in It's going to end and I'm going to ask them to move and I'm going to ask someone else to move my seat and I'm going to get through it. How did this start? Uh, this started when I was very, very young, uh, probably an infant. My brother is two years older than me and he got car sick until we were teenagers and he would vomit on me almost every day <laughs> i'm <laughs> glad that justin thinks this is amazing I, i'm thinking of the meme i'm gonna post for this episode oh my god where please. it's the three of us on a car why would he vomit yeah. on you uh we were little he would just sit next to me your in parents car- wouldn't be like stop vomiting on your sister and i mean you like, know when you're two and three like, mom he's vomiting on yeah me. i mean my mom always laughs she she thinks it's so funny she goes everywhere we went we had to end up with tracy naked because her her clothes would be covered in vomit and we'd have to strip her down and shower her at whoever's house we were going and people to people thought oh look there's a ganesha and they started praying <laughs> to you <laughs> they're like why is that baby elephant at our house right now yeah 
Oh my God. And that's what happened. So I don't yeah. think that it's uh, totally uh, out of nowhere. Right. Yeah. You know, I think it's a real fear. It's something that's happened to me so many times that you can't tell me. And I, I just hate when people tell me it's not going to happen. No, no, no. I know that. I know you hate that. I think it's good the way you're going about this. Do you agree? The way she's, the way you're going about this and you're predicting, and you're like, I'm just going to get through it. I think I'm just going to get through it. I want to go to Mexico. I want to lay on the sand. I want to be on the beach. I would just take the Xanax. I don't yeah. Know. I'm going to take the Xanax. Oh, when take I, the as Xanax. soon as I sit down, I'm going to take the Xanax. Yeah, yeah. And then just take more until you, until you fall asleep. <laughs> okay. We're gonna, well, we'll let and you, then drink. Like, you want to be able... I, I wouldn't say, like, every time you ride the subway, take a Xanax. Right. Because you... Sh- I mean, uh, the idea of therapy would be, like, to make it so that you're not nervous on the subway. Sure. But with planes, you're not going to be able to practice, you know? Yeah. You just, I'm I mean, maybe this. this podcast gets really famous and you're our road work. Mm. You know, um, we we're going to have a, a private. Work. We're going to have a private jet, right? And I'm going to have my own private. But I have, jet. I have this and question: When you couldn't leave, when you watched the YouTube video, you yeah. you couldn't have a friend come and and like walk outside for like. But the, see, this is where I it didn't want to see anyone. Let's this walk is, on the steps. I'll tell you this: yeah. I didn't want to see anyone. Yeah, I, don't, I was yeah, afraid but, of people coming into my home because I didn't want to catch germs from them. My my germophobia went so out of control. Right, so they couldn't they couldn't come sit in the living room. While I didn't you're in the want bedroom. anyone in my house. Well, but that's where you have to be. Like, all right, I'm going to leave the door open. And you yeah, come I mean, what, hap- what, 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 are, what happened? What are you going to do? I feel was, like that program sucked. Is what it I wasn't think. great. It wasn't great. It I, no, I don't think it sucked. I think that was the right idea. But then they had to they had to start having her come outside. They didn't. Facilitate it well enough. Right. Yeah. right. It was kind of like now you're on your own. Um, the visiting like you nurse find service. Out where the sticking points are, and then you try to work around right. those sticking points. So like, either maybe just do sounds of the vomiting, or like dial it back, or <laughs> or keep it there, and then and then let's she like I that. can't do this. All right, let's. If you can't do this, can you do this? Like if right. you can't have a friend come over, can they come to your steps? Right. Can they come to? I was. I mean, I would be afraid to even take my garbage out to go into the hallway oh, of my could, apartment. We could do this again better. Yeah, we have Sandeep here. I feel like we could, I feel like the three of us could create a program right now that would work for you just perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> you specialize in adult ADD. Were you telling me? No, I I, I dislike ADD. You dislike I, it? I won't treat it. And I think it's oh bullshit. wow. So. Oh, dude, I love that you think it's bullshit. Yeah. Oh, I think that's I love what the- we wanted to discuss. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, uh, okay. I, so I, let me, you know yeah. what? I, can I tell you my, 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 why I'm, I'm into your theory that is bullshit? Yeah. Because I wonder how many people have ADD as opposed to um, living in a culture where they're overstimulated, uh, constantly texting, multitasking, especially in Manhattan where it's just like a million things coming at you and don't have healthy practices to sort of, as I say, land Wind the down, plane yeah. and calm themselves down and go from from one thing to the next thing, and then they want to just go see a therapist and say, hey, give me Adderall. Yes, um, exactly. Look, if we're going to call something a disorder, can we at least... I uh, So I have people coming to me all the time wanting Adderall, and I'm, I'm like, this isn't ADD. It's like I, I work 16 hours a day, and I can't focus like I want to at work, and, you know, I'm sleeping six hours a night, and, you know, I, for I drink a lot of too. coffee. And it's like, yeah, that's not a disorder. Like, you don't like your job, and your job is like requires too much focus. Can we at least, if we're gonna start prescribing Adderall for this stuff, I I want us as a society to get a little more mature. Like, hey, I I I didn't I I didn't study all semester. I didn't study like I should have, and I have to cram for like four days, and I need this to cram. That doesn't mean you have ADD. It just it, but it will help you cram. So, so like, what's the different? What is legit? Is there any legitimate ADD? Yeah, I think I mean when ADD was first conceived, it's first it's a disorder first in children, and I don't treat children, so I'm not saying ADD in children is bullshit. But it's supposed to be about five percent mm-hmm. of children. What happens is there are certain children that like they're so disruptive to class, they disruptive the other class, the, the other members 
they they you know people can't teach and then they get in trouble and then they learn to hate school and now this clouds their their whole perception of, of going to school and it and if you can like calm them down if they can if they can be less disruptive you know during those during those formative years like five to fourteen or something um, you can really change how they're how they do in school how they view themselves and I think that's a really good argument for treating ADD in children. Which, uh, for, which, for which, which, a certain percent of chi- uh, children. Which also doesn't necessarily need to be done via Adderall. There's probably other treatments, but well, they, go they on. They give kids Ritalin, right? Yeah, Adderall, Ritalin, this is all the, the yeah. same t- idea. I, yeah, I mean, if the other, other things don't work, though, like I think that's a good ar- argument for, for using Adderall and Ritalin in children. I understand. The whole thing is, though, at, becoming an adult, at some point you have to stop doing it. At some point the children get some sort of maturity and part of becoming an adult is to learn how to zone out and not pay attention without being disruptive. You know, like this is what everyone does in any meeting or, you know, when you're at an open mic or, you know, you, you you learn to channel that by writing notes to your, or texting or, you know, doing whatever the fuck people do because there's in life is, uh, is not about being stimulated and things that you love paying attention to all the time. So and what? So, ad- so when adults say they have ADD, and I have friends who say they have ADD, and they take Adderall, I kind of think I'm like, no, you're just kind of a person who's anxious and bouncing off the walls, and Adderall, you, I mean, you like taking Adderall. But, but doesn't Adderall right. make you more anxious? It could. Um, it, it, it. I can use it help. like a party drug if I take it. It's you like know, coke. Right. See, it, it can help you focus too. Just like if you if. But the thing is, that's what it does. It's like if alcohol makes you feel more relaxed, it doesn't mean you have anxiety. That's just what alcohol is going to do. Right. Or if cocaine makes you energetic, it doesn't mean that you had low energy or fatigue. How many people come into you just because they're like, hey, I want an Adderall script? Well, I don't treat it. I, I'm not going to deal with this bullshit. So I, I literally, I'm like, I don't treat ADD. So I, none of my patients have ADD. As a code of ethics almost. Yeah, because I don't. I think the whole thing is bullshit. I don't, I don't know how I'm going wow. to like vet people who are just... Look, anytime... Adderall is an addictive drug. So anytime you have... Any condition that for the the treatment for which is an addictive drug, people's brains are going to tell them they have that thing. That's just what that's what addictive. The whole thing of any addictive drug is like it, it stimulates a point a point of a part in your brain uh, that when that's stimulated makes you want to do that activity again. Of course, um, and so I'm sure. Like I think that's the danger when you talk about marijuana for pain. You know. These are the dangers that we always have to watch out for, and it's not that marijuana doesn't help. And if you have chronic pain or like intractable nausea, you know you should have that option. But oh, Tracy, um, you got to get everybody to smoke pot on the plane, right? No, absolutely not. That's what you got to do. I got to tell you, I'm very afraid of being around people who smoke pot because I have seen people vomit from (laughs) marijuana. (laughs) Yeah, I vomited from marijuana. Yeah, see, (laughs) that's stop. I'm sorry. Okay, go on. I'm sorry. Uh, but that that's the thing is that you're going to just encourage whatever that thing is and people I don't think people are consciously lying but they their their brains are telling them we need this thing and sure. we feel better when we have this thing. Sure. Either and that's just the addictive aspect. Yeah. Of course. You know what I that's that's very responsible of you. How many therapists would you say and I'm not asking you to throw people under the bus here, but how many therapists or therapists, how many psychiatrists would you say are, are just going to basically, you know, sit there like drug pushers with a script pad and give people whatever the fuck they want. Not really. I, I think a lot of them. I think most of them. I, I, if, if, if you're paying cash to see a psychiatrist, um, I think that dynamic is very difficult to be like, I'm not going to give you this thing. Right. Um, now, if you're, if, you're pay, if you're seeing someone through insurance, I think the, the pressure's a little less because um, the... 
but if you're trying, I mean, when people are trying to build a business, you know, and yeah, I, <clears throat> and the ADD is a recognized thing. Like adult, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not speaking for psychiatry. I'm speaking anti-psychiatry. So right. like the field would, would encourage this or it'll tell you to give a test, you know, like some people don't just say I have ADD fine. They'll make you fill out a, a test or something, but I don't, I don't, I just don't feel like those are that accurate. I liked um, it. I liked wow. it. I, I, really I, like I, I see the criteria that they, there's, they're so soft. They're so subjective. I don't think um, people are uh, understand uh, are giving credence to what what an addictive drug, what it means to to be on that, right. and what we're what we're calling a disorder. You know, I went to. Uh, I, I'm proud of you. <laughs> no, that's really my, great. My therapist. I asked him. I was like, "Do you think I need any medication?" He's like, "No, I don't think you need any medication," which I thought was awesome. Yeah. And I'm not a narcissist, which is another right. great thing. You're Can learning I, a whole bunch of stuff about I'm yourself. I'm learning. A, right? They're all and it's all positive yeah, stuff. Yeah, And it's great. all positive stuff. Can I tell you? Uh, and I'm glad you brought this up. I was one of those kids who um, was like the ones that I see now and I always like want to strangle the parents and the education system for being so negligent where you have overclouded classrooms and kids learn in different ways or different type of learning styles. There's people, there's textbook learning style and there's kids who learn more experientially. Um, when you see kids who are who learn experientially and don't learn in this textbook style, they're in overclouded class, classrooms, so they're understimulated in a constructive way. Then they're overstimulated in a non-constructive way through you know cell phones and texting and all that kind of stuff. They're on a diet that's got a lot of sugar in it, so they're bouncing off the walls. They're under-exercised because there's not a lot of phys ed. There's not a lot of good outlets for them for physical education. And then because they're not thriving in that environment, they're thrown on all different types of medications because they're behavioral problems, which it almost reminds me of like in the 40s. Um, if someone had uh, if someone had dyslexia, they were, you know, they were deemed stupid or punished for not focusing in class. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I, I was totally like that. I was totally the kid who was like, they're like, oh, he has ADD. He's got all these learning disabilities. But yet, if you and with math, I just did not give a shit with certain with social studies. I it, to me, I was like, this has no relevance on my life. But then if you put me in science class because I was so into I was so into science and I was so into just how things worked or you put me in art class, I would focus on the thing for 48 hours straight and get straight A's on these projects because it was shit that I was interested in. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's a lot of the problem is uh, parents just want a quick fix to uh calm their kids down right i mean that's basically what it is and you have to understand that people learn differently yeah yeah like i like um you know not doing much during the day <laughs> taking a long bath uh you know cleaning the house and you know people have to understand that like i don't want to work a full-time job like i can't really work a job right and you shouldn't be denied the same money right like as somebody I should be paid that is the, the ceo same... of a corporation exactly like me because... and and dr sen here should be paid the same exact money uh just because i cannot you know like quote unquote work <laughs> shouldn't mean that i shouldn't uh be equal you know what i mean i'm not stupid just right. because i like to just you know maybe uh cook a little bit <laughs> You know, maybe I just wanted to make some chocolate chip cookies on a Tuesday and I couldn't see any patients. You know what I mean? Like, you're not better than me. Right. I, I think this is funny, but these I think these are complicated. <laughs> <clears throat> these are complicated issues. I, I do think like kids don't learn a certain way. On the other hand, I always I, I always like to 
think about the other side, whereas like kids have to be learn to do shit that they don't want to do. Yes, because that's that is that's, true. A, that's an important the rest skill of your for the, life. Because then the you know what happens. That you get true. someone like me who's like, well, I don't really want to work. I'd rather sit in the bathtub. Right, my we all would. My situation was way different though. If you I were had going through some shit, I, oh yeah, dude, you I were had, going through some personal shit, and there was a really good reason why you. were Oh, my going dad, through, my right. dad, my mom and dad split when I was like two. Yeah, right. I was taken care of by a lot of babysitters and things like that. Right, my mom did a fantastic job, but she was working her ass off. I had, I had abusive shit going on on my dad's side of the house where it was like I had really, really bad OCD, and then they were like, "All right, we'll focus on this now." I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa!" That that's not happening. So I had right. legit, and I was right. punished for And then I had teachers that were like, I just one teacher. I had to pee so bad. She used to love to torture me. She was like, you pee right there. And I pee, she made me piss in my pants in front of the rest of the classroom. Like as a way to like punish oh me for being disruptive. And uh, dude, my mother. Public school, I take it. Yeah. My mother flipped the fuck out. Yeah, she I mean that's almost a, that's almost beat the shit out of that teacher. That's my mom abusive. was a great mom, but I had you know she was like, what was she gonna do? I mean, you know I was I mean? covered in vomit most of my life, so oh, everything's it. fine here. Well, like, you guys had just a lot of bodily fluids. I wet the bed <laughs> growing up, so you know what? Till how I, old? Uh, I, I like twelve to fourteen, something like that. That's a little late, but that's not. You're not still doing it now at forty-one, are you? No, thank God. When you drink a lot? No, I you really. Even, you know what though? I get up like. <clears throat> Three or four times at night to pee. Yeah. Do you? Same. I think I've learned to be a super like light sleeper when it comes to needing to pee. Because you're afraid it's going to happen. How's your diet? Yeah. I think that's that's got to be from yeah. 12 to 14. How's your yeah. diet? My diet? How's your, your diet? diet? A lot of salt? Uh, I do like salt. I don't yeah. think, I don't usually, I don't put salt on stuff though. But you like salty, right? Actually, not too. I don't know. Can I look at your testicles right now? Sure. <laughs> when uh, when I'm putting my fingers in your ass, just you can I know. Do. I'm like, guys, this is about me. <laughs> I I love Doctor Sang coming in for this one. This was amazing. This is great. I learn a lot. I like when we have. I like when we have people. a doctor comedian. I like when we have a doctor comedian come in, which isn't which doesn't happen all the time. Where can people check you out? Tell everybody your social media. Tell everybody all your stuff that they can find you on. Uh, well, I do a podcast myself called The Fake Outrage Report. Amazing podcast with yeah. Phil Causey that yeah. Tracy's been on. I have. Um, that's how she knows about it. That that's uh, you can look us up at The Fake Outrage Report on Facebook and at The Fake Outrage report on twitter um i'm sandeep sen you can check out my website sandeepsen.com and you can book me people book me for god's sake and uh book him and if yeah, people and if people have anxiety and depression they can uh, just yes <laughs> i i have a i see people through video chat i have a website where i see people through video chat oh so that's what no my shrink did with me it was the so, best right so there's no need to commute to a clinic it's called skypiatrist.com s-k-y-p-i-a-t-r-i-s-t.com i take most insurances uh, I'm not treating your ADD, so don't. But uh, <laughs> but I just want some Adderall. Dude, Adderall is fucking. It's fun. It's a party drug. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, it is just it's coke. It's right. coke. <laughs> it's coke. It's just coke with not such a bad. Wait, hangover. it's it's literally speed. Yeah, I know it's what it is. It's trucker speed. Yeah. yeah, I know what it is. You I worked it, in the music industry. You don't industry. think I fucking sniffed a bunch of it last week? Yeah, right. <laughs> I should have done that at I mean, the goddamn Perfect is, Circle so. concert. Oh my god, that's cool, Tracy. All your stuff. Oh, my God. Let me just tell you something. I wanted to talk really quick. Uh, we're now available on the Laughable app. And I'm oh, really excited. Yeah, I'm really excited oh, about that. Uh, the best part about the Laughable app is that you could actually search for uh, myself and Justin and Sandeep. And you could see all of the podcasts that we either host or we've been guests on. 
So that's super cool. Uh, right now, that's only for iPhone. So if you have an iPhone, download the Laughable app, and you could find uh, Neurotica on the Laughable app, and you can find every other podcast that we've done. So that's uh, pretty exciting news this week. You can find me at tracycarnazzo.com, or you could follow me on social media at Trixie Tuzini on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and make sure you check everything out. Uh, I'm gonna have uh, you know some great episodes of your other favorite podcast, Teen Mom Trash. Teen- Mom trash talk and uh yeah just uh follow me around awesome what about you justin um well for neurotica it's at neurotica pod and please go on itunes give us a nice review give us a five-star rating not a nice review i want a five-star rating and an say amazing review nice. say something nice about how hot tracy is thank in you her body. so much all my personal stuff is at i am justin silver um that's IamJustinSilver.com. My social media is at IamJustinSilver. I'll be on the road with Jessica Curson, and Woo. that is on uh, November 10th. And then on Thanksgiving weekend, mm. myself and Big J Okerson will be in Albany. So you can go on my website to get tickets for all that stuff. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Until next week. Bye. I remember when, I remember, I remember when I